Hey yo, and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Julia Dubois, and today you'll see how one tale turns to many on the tail end. Well, hey there. How has your week been? I had a pretty fun week last week with something new that I tried out called Stitch Fix. Have you ever heard of it? It's an awesome company that helps you find your style and then send you a box of clothes every so often, and then you can buy them or send them back depending on what you like or don't like. I'm sure some of you have heard me talk about it already because I love it and I think it's so awesome. Um, You can set your price range on what you're willing to spend as well, which is really nice. I got some great pieces that I really like, and if you haven't tried it out, you should definitely try it just to see if you like it. And if you're wanting to try it before and never have, I have a $50 credit code that you can use. And you can find that code on the podcast landing page, which is thetailendpodcast.podbean.com. I also wanted to mention the weirdness that's going on with the podcast episode numbers. I have no clue why they're acting the way they are on iTunes, Um, but it says episode three is number nine. And it's just generally adding weird numbers that have no correlation to episode titles. So I apologize if that is driving you a bit batty because it is for me too, but I'm working on getting it figured out. Okay, the prompt for today's episode is a bit creepy, I'll admit, but I will tell you about what I was thinking about when I wrote it so that you can know I didn't intend for both of the stories today to be creepy, but they both have that vibe. (laughs) So here is the prompt. The kitchen clock is ticking, the sound pounding in my ears like a drum. I hear soft voices upstairs. The near silence is thick and deafening as I crouch here frozen. It rings in my ears getting louder and louder, almost as if it is begging for a sound to slice through it. Creaky floors groan above me and I shudder. Should I run? Now, I told you I would tell you about this prompt and how I wrote it, but you can't judge me, okay? Now, sometimes I have to hide from my children. (laughs) My sweet, adorable monster children, because I need a bit of alone time during the day. I'm talking like three minutes without someone touching me or accidentally scratching me or whatever. I just need to finish a text message in peace or, gosh dang, I just want to look at my Instagram notifications for a minute. So... A hideout on the floor of the kitchen or in our tiny bathroom just off of the kitchen until one of them comes to find me. (laughs) I thought of this prompt as if a mother would be hiding from her children or maybe even playing hide and seek. But both of the upcoming authors took the prompt in totally different but twisted directions, which is the coolest thing to me. Taking the same prompt and getting entirely different stories is just wild and amazing. The first tale end is authored by Hannah Kamek. And here I just have to include a little note. This story does include a domestic violence situation. So if that is triggering for you, you may want to skip this um, episode. The kitchen clock is ticking. The sound pounding in my ears like a drum. I hear soft voices upstairs. The near silence is thick and deafening as I crouch here frozen. It rings in my ears, getting louder and louder, almost as if it is begging for a sound to slice through it. Creaky floors groan above me and I shudder. Should I run? This is my chance. If I don't get out of this house, he will hurt me again. 
but I have to pass the staircase to get to the front door. I slowly rise and start to go past the kitchen toward the dining room. I'm scarcely breathing as I tiptoe past the console table. I grab his wallet and my fingers are fumbling as I try to find my driver's license. He took it from me two months ago at the same time he took my phone. He didn't want me driving anywhere or talking to anyone. I find some cash and at last my ID. I take both and as I turn to put it in my jeans pocket, my backpack bumps the corner of the table. The screeching of the table legs against the hardwood floor causes the voices upstairs to stop. My stomach drops. Kate, is that you, baby? I can hear the slurring of his speech and the dragging of his feet as he heads to the top of the stairs. What do I do? I could answer him and pretend nothing is wrong, or maybe I could hide. I can't think straight. What if he sees me with my bag packed? He'll kill me, for sure. I'm not feeling brave anymore. None of this has gone according to plan. Panicked, I lunge forward toward the door. I'm so scared I can't even scream. I turn the door handle, push the door, and I'm outside. I race down the sidewalk, cringing every time I run under a street lamp. I've got to find somewhere to hide. Hey, I hear him holler. I let out a terrified shriek. As I turn the corner, I see him with his two friends, and they're only a block away. My lungs feel like they're going to burst. By a small miracle, I see a bus slow down to a stop just across the street to my left. I sprint to the bus, and as I hop on, I wail at the bus driver to take me to the nearest emergency room. The startled driver closes the doors. I make my way to the back of the bus. I dare to look out the back window, and I see him with his two friends standing in the middle of the road. His eyes seem like they're piercing into me. My heartbeat skips even faster. What if he finds me at the hospital? He'll retaliate and I won't ever be safe. What was I thinking? How could I possibly escape this nightmare? I have my head buried in my hands when someone taps me on the shoulder. Can I help you? You look so scared. I look up to see a plump, middle-aged woman with her brunette hair pulled into a low bun. I just now notice we're the only two on the bus this late at night. She sits down across from me and says, My name is Michelle. What's going on? I can't answer her, but she can see the fear in my eyes. Is that man hurting you? She asks. I just nod. I watch her analyze my arms, finding the bruises and cuts. Oh, you poor thing. She grabs my hand. I'm going to make sure that you're safe. As I read this story, my heart was pounding. Um, I get really scared of people chasing me. I think I've seen one too many like scary movies where people have to escape like their captors. And so that's exactly what this was for me. I was like, oh my gosh, you have to get away. You have to go faster. You have to run. So anyway, I loved the suspense and the drama and I wanted to know what happened next. Did they like climb on the back of the bus? Do they run after it? I don't know. I always want to know. So if anyone wants to write an end to one of these tale ends and continue the story, please, by all means, um, write some more so that we can um, hear what else could happen. Okay. Our second tale end for today is titled Purloin and was submitted by Becca Rose. The kitchen clock is ticking, the sound pounding in my ears like a drum. I hear soft voices upstairs. The near silence is thick and deafening as I crouch here frozen. It rings in my ears, getting louder and louder, almost as if it is begging for a sound to slice through it. Creaky floors groan above me and I shudder. Should I run? Where would I run? 
The basement's one door leads up to the kitchen, and that's exactly where I don't want to go. Instead, I sit here cowering, slightly cursing those who produce the creaking upstairs. The creaking intensifies as someone approaches the basement door. I huddle in my corner, the hair on the back of my neck bristling. The door swings open, casting light down the stairs, illuminating my darkness. You can come up now, a deep voice informs me. I hesitate. Maybe it's safer down in the dark. I said come up. I can't ignore that insistent tone. I gather my oversized sweater around me like a shield and make my way up the stairs. The kitchen light is blinding after being in the dark for so long. I blink a couple of times before my vision clears. Sven and Luca stand by the sink, staring. Both men didn't look happy with me at all. My heart begins to pound. I glance toward the window, the night beckoning me to take shelter in it. Don't do anything stupid, Sven snaps. He runs a hand through his long, dark hair, greasy from not bathing. His clothing is rumpled, stubble on his chin. He hadn't been taking care of himself. She wouldn't, Luca assures him, right? He turns his crystal blue eyes to me, pinning me in place with his intensity. Luca is Sven's opposite. Sven is dark in every way, skin, hair, and eyes. Luca is pale. His blonde hair is not as greasy as Sven's, but it doesn't have his usual bouncy. Sora, my name is Lindsay, I croak out in response. I haven't spoken in days. My voice sounds strange to me. Sven's hands flex. Not anymore, he growls. Get that through your thick skull. Luca, let me knock some sense into her. I flinch. He hasn't moved toward me. He's hit me once before. He is stronger than he looks. It doesn't help that I'm also half his size. We are not going to hit her, Luca says, more in my direction than at Sven. She's a child. Luca takes a few steps toward me. My heart races, but I don't move. I'm not scared of Luca. He's the kinder of the two, plus he looks so angelic. He bends to meet my gaze. Your name is Sora now. You must forget your old life. That is done. You are staying with us. Please understand. Images of my home flash through my head. An older brother's smile, my mom singing at the piano, dad always going to work. All gone. Tears began to fill my eyes. Luca's face crumbles. He reaches for me and I let him wipe at my dirty and wet cheeks. Sven snorts in the background. <sighs> Don't coddle her, Sven groans. You'll make things worse. She's not a kid. I am, I argue. I'm only 13. My mom always says I'm her baby. I stick my tongue out at him and Sven actually smiles. She's our kid, Luca explains, until she grows enough to be on her own. Take some responsibility, Sven. Luca straightens, going to the sink to fill a glass with water. I'm surprised the cabin has running water or electricity. We're pretty much in the middle of nowhere. I didn't do anything, Sven protests. I don't have to be responsible for this mess. Luca returns, giving me the water, which I drink sloppily. I'm so thirsty. I'm taking responsibility then, he decides. Are you going to abandon me or are you going to help me? Sven doesn't answer, but he doesn't leave. I hand Luca the cup. More? I ask. You can have whatever you want, Luca tells me, but you have to do what we say, starting with eating. A little girl can't live on water alone. So I am a little girl. I glance at Sven again, but he is moving toward the hall closet. Will you listen to us, Sora? Luca pleads. To me... I only want to care for you. He did. He has. Luca and Sven stole me away, but they saved me too. I'm being a brat. 
This is my life now? I ask slowly. Luca nods. You'll be with me forever? Yes, Luca promises, if that's what you want. My stomach tightens in pain. He's right, I have to eat. I am hurting myself more than hurting them. Then I'll eat, I agree, but not too much. Finally, Sven sighs. He opens the closet door, yanking out the boy I'd seen a few nights before. He's in his late teens, grubby, hands and feet bound. The gag in his mouth keeps his pleas for my ears, which I am grateful for. Sven drags the boy to me, then holds him steadily. Eat, Sora, Sven orders. I glare at him, but my anger wanes when I feel Luca's hand on my head. Eat, please, he whispers. We will talk about your new life when you are full. I sigh. Looking at the boy being held down on his knees, he tries to struggle, but Sven's grip doesn't loosen. I let go of my sweater. The boy goes into a full panic when he sees my blood-splattered dress. Some of it is mine, some from others. I need to bathe. I don't like walking around with my family's blood dried to me, but first. I grab the boy's hair and swiftly bite into his neck. The blood pooling on my tongue eases my pain, calms my nerves. I'm not a baby. I won't complain about my food ever again. I have to say, I love all of the different fantasy elements that we keep seeing brought into these stories. Um, Not all of them are like based in reality, and I totally love it, and I really appreciate it. So thank you so much for writing that. I really, really love that. Okay, that is it for this episode. Thank you so, so much for listening and for being a part of my Tail Enders group, my little Tail Ender groupies. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, adios.